0: Hello and welcome to this special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we are joined by most of all our contributors. Emily will tell us about the pre-Synod that happened in Rome last week. She was part of that. And unfortunately, Billy is sick. Um, So we will be praying for Billy this Holy Week and Easter, but he will not be with us today. We will miss you, Billy. Um, But Sister Marie Paul will be joining us with... uh, One film that she uh, suggests to watch during this Easter season, she will give us the windows to the soul. And Mark Matthews has something to tell us about science fiction. And Jillian will be joining us, but uh, our segment with Jillian Cantor will be a little different. She's not going to tell us what she learned from her kids. Instead, she'll be telling us about her new documentary, A Woman's Voice, a wonderful documentary that gives Catholic women a voice and looks at the place of Catholic women In the church or of women in the Catholic Church, and that's going to be at the end of our first half hour. Now I'm sure that by now you've heard of the film Paul Apostle of Christ, starring Jim Caviezel and James Faulkner. As a special Easter treat at the end of the program, we will be speaking with Eric Groth, executive producer of the film, to tell us all about what you need to know about St. Paul, St. Luke, and the Acts of the Apostles. So you don't want to miss that. That's in about 50 minutes. And this Easter, we're going to be listening to some songs from singers that we've had on the show this past year. They're not all Hallelujah songs, but they are songs that will remind us about something that we should remember during the Easter season. So we have Out of Darkness, Matt Marr, and Cooper Ray. So let's begin with a good pre-Easter song, a song that is also very much about Holy Week and Good Friday. Here's Matt Marr with The Cross Forever Speaks from his latest album,
1: Echoes. Though I'm pressed on every side I still know I'm not abandoned Though the ways of God are mine I still know I'm not forsaken Take- The cross forever speaks Though I'm filled with questions Why? I still know I'm not abandoned Though I suffer in this life I still know The cross
0: forever speaks. That was Matt Maher with The Cross Forever Speaks from his album Echoes. You can learn more about Matt Maher at his website, mattmaher.com. And to listen to Matt speak to us about that album, go to our archive at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and search for the October 20th, 2017 program um, with Matt Marr, I'm Deacon Pedro. You can go to that website, saltandlighttv.org, and that's where you can learn all about what we do here at Salt and Light. In about 15 minutes, a woman's voice. You want to hear that interview with Gillian Cantor, so stick around. But before that, Emily is Another here. Another woman's voice. <laughs> Another woman's voice. A young woman's voice, mm. fresh off the airplane, from Rome, historic week, how was that? Yeah, in uh, Rome historic last, yes. indeed,
2: Pedro, as you say. Um, we were told uh, multiple times during the meeting last week in Rome that it was his, a historic event yeah. because this is the first, it was the first of its kind. Right. Uh, this is the first time that, in preparation for a synod of bishops, so uh-huh. now we have one coming up in October 2018 uh-huh. on young people, the faith, and vocational discernment. Right. This is the first time that a group of people who are concerned most concerned about this uh, synod so youth uh-huh. are are helping the bishops prepare for this meeting so this this meeting that happened in Rome last week was the pre pre synod um,
0: right so so you, a bunch of young people like you said concerned mm-hmm. with that topic or yeah. the, or sorry the the topic concerns yes. young people so of course young people are the ones concerned so yeah. they're <laughs> the
2: ones talking about it so <laughs> exactly. they're the one,
0: yeah so you're helping The you young people create put together a document to help prepare the bishops for the synod that they're going to have in October
2: exactly so, um. Before I get to the final document, just yeah. maybe a little bit. So these there were three hundred young people who uh-huh. took part in this meeting from around the world. From around the world, um, in person at least, three hundred people in person, uh-huh. uh, came to, uh, gathered in Rome, and um, but they weren't the only ones who were part of these uh, these discussions. There were Facebook groups that were set up. There were six different languages um, of Facebook groups. So like uh, English or, you know, Italian, Spanish, French. And I don't know exactly. But anyway, six different languages. Uh And so young people who are within the age range, could sign up to be a part of these groups and participate in the discussion. So the 15 questions that we had to answer on location, for example, were also sent out to these groups. They could answer them, and then there was a team, a social media team, responsible of gathering and summarizing all of their answers, Uh putting them together in order for the working group on the final document to include them. In, um, in, in the final talk. The text. final text Exactly. Sounds
0: exhausting.
2: No kidding. <laughs> it was exhausting, I'm sure. Um, so there was a total of 15,000 people who participated in these, um, who were part of the Facebook groups, but I think they collected about 1,100 comments in total. Wow. So can you imagine that's how many comments that they had to, to put together? Um, And so the way that it worked Mm -hmm. is that, so that team took care of the social media and and the Facebook groups. Um, But then on the ground, there were 20 small groups, small language groups. Uh Uh, There were uh, English groups, French groups, Italian groups, and Spanish speaking Uh groups. And in each group, You know, you had maybe uh, a dozen to, I don't know, like 20 or 25 people per group. So, so then those, those 20 groups had about a day and a half to discuss the 15 questions that were given. And so these 15 questions were um, based off of the different parts of the preparatory document that was published last year. Right. So there were three parts in the preparatory document and each part had five questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, the groups were, had the time to discuss them, make comments. And then again, they themselves would summarize at the end of their one day and a half of discussions, you know, the, um, the answers that were given within that group. And so each group submitted a summary uh-huh. um, of their discussions to the working group and, and,
0: and you were in the working group I was
2: in the working group yeah I uh, wasn't expecting it I really thought that I would just go and participate and you know give my two cents
0: drink wine drink have wine some pasta. have some pasta
2: exactly which there was <laughs> um thankfully because it made uh, the work a lot easier yeah, yeah yeah. but um yeah and so so we were the 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 people, the participants who were part of the working group were chosen on the second day, um, mm. were approached on the second day to be a part of the working group. I mean, we were allowed to say yes or no, you know, they, right. they didn't impose this on us. They were, you know, they invited us to be a part of it and uh-huh. stuff. So most of us were maybe secretaries or taking down notes. So we yeah. had a lot of this kind of fresh in our minds. Yeah. And so the working group was comprised of 21 people But out of those 21 people, a dozen of them were responsible to actually write the document. And the rest of the group were translators. So helping the writers understand those other, you know, the summaries from from different languages. uh, Exactly, you know, um, because we had to write the document in English first. Right. And so, um, so again, that was just the beginning of the process having to, read all of the summaries and then having to write a first draft the next day presenting a first draft to the group receiving feedback from you know from the rest of the delegates wow You know, we were in a plenary assembly, so they were able to um, to give feedback. Then going back, taking that feedback, and then writing a second draft. You know, um, which we spent a lot of time doing. Barely got any sleep. And then the next day, presenting the second draft, getting more feedback, and then finally reworking it and presenting a final.
0: So you're working on the, the document has three parts. You were working on one part.
2: Exactly, part one or yes, part. exactly.
0: So I, I, we don't have a ton of time left, like mm-hmm. literally like a minute. Right. So I know people can go and read that document. On that, our website, for on sure. saltandlighttv.org, in mm-hmm. our blog. We also have saltandlighttv.org slash synod. All the synod information is there. For you, what are the highlights of this document? What are the bishops going to read in this document that's going to change the world?
2: <laughs> right. Um, well, there are definitely things that come back. Um, again, I'm not kind of giving or sharing them in order of priority. No. Okay. One of the main things that came back was the role of women or the place of women in the church. Okay. So, um, again, each each group did, uh, did mention that um, they hope that there are... Um, there are ways that the church can think of, you know, um, including including women in, in either right. decision making okay. positions yeah. or Great. or whatnot. So what are the places in the church where women can flourish, uh-huh. right? Good. Can best flourish. Um other things of con- of concern or or maybe of hope is a better way to put it uh-huh. is young people desiring a church that is um, that is open that is inclusive that is um transparent, and so by this they don't mean you know we hope that the church is changing its its teachings on certain moral um, matters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but that there's room for conversation that right. the church is willing to um Really work on those things that are that are difficult. They mentioned, for example, sexual abuse scandal, right? right. So they're saying, you know, the shir- that we hope the church continues to, um, to 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 be transparent and honest about this this issue in the church. Okay. Um, Again, those are just a couple examples. Yeah, okay. We're going to leave it there because
0: people can go and read that document. And, and, I mean, there's so much there, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about this between now and October and a lot more in October. Thank you, Emily. I'm so proud of you and so happy that (laughs) you're so blessed that you had this experience.
2: It was a very joyful experience. Despite the difficulty and the The challenges, the lack of sleep, it was a very joyful experience.
0: Amen. Good. Mm -hmm. And for you and for 305 other young people from around the world, Emily Callen, our news producer, but slash... Youth pre expert working document. We're going to have to work on that title, I think. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, thank you very much, Emily Callan. You can follow her at Emmy Callum.
3: Hi, this is Matt Marr. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour, which you can pay for.
0: I'm Deacon Pedro, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour online at saltandlighttv.org slash radio, also on the Catholic channel, Sirius XM 129, on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network, Holy Family Radio, the Lamb Catholic Radio Network, the Barraga Radio Network, and KHRM in Anchorage, Alaska. The Salt and Light Hour is also on Roku and on iTunes, and this is our special Easter edition. Now... Does the Catholic Church engage the voices of women to the aid and advancement of the church itself? Now, if you look at this through the lens of the secular world, the answer is no. Women in the church are oppressed, silenced, unable to break a stained glass ceiling of church hierarchy. But there's a new documentary made by Salt and Light Television called A Woman's Voice, Conversations of Discernment and Grace, that invites us to look into a new conversation with a new perspective to answer all these crucial and controversial questions and to look at the place of women in the church. And to tell us more about it, I'm joined by our very own parenting expert, Jillian Cantor, who today for our Easter show is not talking to us about parenting, but talking to us about what it means to be a woman in the church Jillian, I'm
4: very diverse. I can handle all sorts of
0: questions. Well, if you're a mother, you're a woman, so that <laughs> that's a good all thing. Makes sense. All makes sense. Now, just let, I'm, I was going to say, you are the producer of this documentary. I know that you were the writer of this documentary. Can you yes. can you let us know exactly what your involvement was with making yeah. this film?
4: I'd say I wasn't the producer. <laughs> <laughs> I I would just put my role as um, writer and uh, researcher. Um, Overall thinker.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you had a you had a strong role in giving this shape.
4: Right. Um, yeah, I I will just be very humble and say, oh no, it came to me almost finished, <laughs> really. Yes. I kind of stepped into it um, from a freelance writer's point of view at a dream point because many of the interviews were already finished. Right. Um, they'd already been completed. Um, the visuals were filmed. Um, women had been, ideas and concepts had been researched, women had been interviewed. And so it was kind of handed to me and said, now let's put this together. Let's put some order to it. Put it together. Yes. And so from the very first time I watched what had been put together as a rough cut, I was involved in the story and I felt it impossible to not be. Right. Because as a woman of the church and knowing, um, many other women of the church and the questions they have about who they are and what their role is, Mm um, there were questions that needed to be answered, and I felt like I, I just couldn't, at that point, I couldn't walk away from it, and I, I really needed to take mm-hmm. on this project.
0: Well, maybe, so, yeah, sorry, before we go on, can you tell us quickly what this documentary is about?
4: Sure, yes, of course. Um, A Woman's Voice, Conversations of Discernment and Grace, features 11 women from around the world um, discussing their role and work within the church. Okay. And that those that work and those roles... Um, range from being missionary mothers um, in northern Diocese to the former mayor of Bethlehem, um, to uh, a mother of quadruplets, uh-huh. to a woman who serves as the vice chancellor within an archdiocese in Canada. So they're it's they're really mm-hmm. diverse, um, different backgrounds, different ages, different stories, um, and I think that's key because not all women of the church are the same. There isn't one role for women in the church. Um, as many as there are women, that's as many as there are ministries
5: mm-hmm. and
4: roles and work. And I think thats it's a fascinating perspective because I think once you've watched this documentary or once you've gone through the study guide that accompanies it, mm-hmm. I hope your perspective has been altered so that you view each woman within your parish in a different light.
5: Okay.
0: Now, I n- no matter who yeah. we
4: are or what we're doing, there is a connection there the building up of a kingdom to the building up
0: of the church hmm. now I know you didn't you didn't have a say in necessarily in, in choosing all the women but you did have a say in some of them so how were these women chosen
4: um, well we did we wanted that diverse background so um, I was considering who was already in the documentary um, who are we missing what sort of voices in terms of age um, background work um, we just really wanted to span. A great number of sources, a great number of people, so that anybody who's watching should be able to identify with someone. Maybe not, it's maybe right. not. Right. They may not recognize themselves in a particular woman, but they will recognize someone that they know. Um, uh-huh. Or even just pieces of a particular woman's story, or a few pieces from a few different women's story, you're going to be able to relate to, right? So, um, so, yeah, and make that story connect with your own.
0: So it's not just women. I mean, you have Carolyn Wu, for example, uh, or, or someone like you mentioned the uh, the woman who's the chancellor of the diocese. They're, they're, it's not just women who are doing these, you know, huge things. You also mentioned that you have mothers or women who are doing missionary work, right. It, it, why, so when you talk about diversity of the roles of women in the church, what what do you mean? Um, do we mean that women need to be vice chancellors of dioceses or no, rectors of not. seminaries?
4: Yeah. I think um, where it really all came together for me, um, and even in an emotional way, was when I was writing for the study guide to accompany the DVD. Yeah. And I was thinking about my own work and how I would how I would or could mm-hmm. ever claim it for the church because, you know, most days the things I do are very much hidden. Well, you're, a, stay-at- you're a
0: stay-at-home mom.
4: Yeah, so the few, the few times that I speak to you on the phone and tell you what I learned from my kids, that's really, that's my voice outside of my own home. Other yeah. than that, here I am and nobody knows what I'm doing and I'd say for the most part nobody really cares. And it's really humbling when you, you know, you're a young person and you think, what am I going to be when I grow up? Uh-huh. And then you come to this point where you're like, I am here in this house by myself with a bunch of little people who don't necessarily listen to me. Is this what I wanted? And you kind of, it is that moment of crisis in your own life, just trying to figure out who am I and what do I do? And as I listened to these women and I put piece together their stories, it became apparent that, that yes, we are all doing work for the Church so long as we claim it. And that I think is an important step
5: because Mm.
4: it might, Feel silly, you might feel stupid to say, This is who I am, and I'm doing this work for the building up of a kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter what that is, no matter how hidden it is, no matter how public it is, this is what I'm doing, this is who I am. So, I'm not sure if I'm really making no, it clear, yeah. but when I finished writing that introduction and yeah. I signed my name to it and I wrote, I'm going to get emotional now, when I wrote, Wife, Mother, Writer,
5: mm-hmm. I felt
4: like that was me giving that work. To the Lord,
5: mm-hmm. and
4: saying, this is who I am, and who I will be for you.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And so as small as what my role is, I don't know that I'm influencing very many people, certainly not as many people as, you know, a missionary working to help refugees. Um, yeah. Still, I have identified my work as the Lord. And yeah. if, if as long as we are all fulfilling our vocation, then we are, um, that's the pinnacle of our, our faith. That's yeah. The, that's what God is asking us and, and making that commitment. There's this is a, such a real statement. Yet
0: yeah, such a much larger conversation, and I wish we had. We wish we had twice the amount of time. We have about a minute left, so I want to ask you, maybe in closing, who is this documentary for? Is it for women who work in the church who feel that they're not valued, or who are not sure how their work is valuable, or is it for people who think that women in the church have no place or no say yes. in the church?
4: Yes, and yes, <laughs> it is for all of those people. I think. Women in the church can watch it and um, and, like I said, hopefully recognize themselves in some of the women that we have featured. Mm-hmm. and they can, you know, they can they can make that an opportunity for them to say, "This is who I am, and this is what I will do for the church and for the Lord. It's also for um, you know priests and seminarians and the leaders uh, in the church, and and I say leaders, meaning the male leaders yeah. of our church so that they can have a better appreciation of who women are and what is the work that they do. Because, yes, they do see the women, they recognize the women who are volunteering in their parish, but let's take a deeper look at who they are and the quality um, of the work that they do and the impact that it has on the souls of the other people. Right. That really needs to be embraced, I think, by the Church.
0: Yeah, Um, absolutely.
4: Yeah, and it's it's for women who feel lost, like they don't have a role. I hope... I'll, hopefully, I can fit this story. And um, early on in writing this documentary, I mentioned it to um, a woman I know from the parish, my own parish. Um, what I was working on and what the storyline was. And as soon as I said it's about the role and, wor- of, and work of women in the church, she said, "Oh my goodness, we need to be priests. Women need to be priests." Right. She said, "This, this is what this pope is doing for us." And I'm like, "I'm not really sure." <laughs> that's right. And that's not what it's But about, she was yeah. very adamant that that is that's what has to happen. Um, And so in my mind, as I was writing it, I was writing it for her so that she could see the quality and the value in the work that women are doing right now. And and that it doesn't need to become um, the switch in vocation.
5: Mm -hmm.
4: That if we're negating... Or sorry that if we are focusing on that one role, if we're focusing on the thing that we're said that we're told we can't do, then it's we're negating and dismissing all that
5: mm-hmm. amazing
4: thing that we are doing and we are doing amazing things yeah. for the church.
5: It, yeah. So I hope that message
4: comes clear in the documentary yeah. and in the study guide. Um, I hope women and, and all people see some value in this documentary
0: and Absolutely. some
4: perspective.
0: Absolutely. And it's I think it's one of the most exciting things we've ever done here at Salt and Light and, and important. So A Woman's Voice, Conversations of Discernment and Grace. If you're in our broadcasting area, you can watch this on Easter Sunday at 8 p.m. Um, and if you're outside our broadcasting area, you can watch it streaming live on our website, saltandlighttv.org. Uh, slash live and also 8 p.m. Eastern. So that's a woman's voice conversations of discernment and grace. I'm sure I'd love to to continue this conversation with you, Jillian, because it's a it's a much larger and important yeah. conversation. Yeah. Thank you for what you did uh, for it, and uh, I'm looking forward to. I haven't seen the final cut, so I'm looking forward to 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 watching that. Thank you oh, again, thank you so and happy Easter. You. to you. Happy Easter. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the latest Salt and Light TV documentary, A Woman's Voice, and she is our parenting expert here for the Salt and Light Hour. Here now to end our first half is a song that we heard all about during last week's program. We were speaking with Adam and Lori Eubowski about their new album, Where You Are, and Lori was very excited about their rendition of Set a Fire. It's a good Easter song, so here we go. Here's Out of Darkness with Set a Fire by Will Regan from their latest album, Where You Are.
6: Set a fire down in my soul That I can't contain and I can't control I want more of you, God I want more of you, God Set a fire down in my soul That I can't
0: To "Out of Darkness" with "Set a Fire" from their latest album "Where You Are," out of darkness are Lori and Adam Yubowski. Learn more about "Out of Darkness" at outofdarknessmusic.com. And to listen to Lori tell us all about "Set a Fire," go to our website saltandlighttv.org/radio and listen to our March 24, 2018 program. Coming up in our second half hour, What's Good in Hollywood, Windows to the Soul, and a featured chat with Eric Groth of the film Paul, Apostle of Christ. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to part two of a special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Coming up is Mark Matthews with What's Good in Hollywood and Sister Marie Paul Curley with Windows to the Soul. And at the end of the show, a featured conversation with Eric Groth, executive producer of Paul, Apostle of Christ. I'm Deacon Pedro and you can find me on Facebook, look for Deacon Pedro and follow me on Twitter at GM. And now it's time for... What's good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary Mark Matthews? Mark, hello Pedro. Welcome back two weeks in a row. We're lucky. Lucky to have you. Oh, so lucky. Lucky to have you. So so you have an Easter a deep and meaningful Easter message for us today
3: meaningful Easter message. So this Easter, as we are contemplating the depth of the Paschal mystery, yeah I thought I'd give it give you a bit of an insight uh, through one of my favorite areas, uh, science fiction. Okay. and okay. the commonly reoccurring theme of transcendence in science fiction.
0: Okay, 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 no, sorry. I
3: know how much you love science fiction,
0: right? (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, I I don't know if I should say I love science fiction. I don't hate science fiction. There's some (laughs) sci-fi stuff I really like, um, but actually I can't even think of one single, well, Star Wars is science fiction. Those are pretty good. Some Star Trek I like. So that, yeah. Well,
3: that's okay. I'll I'll, I'll give some examples. Okay, good. And. basically, so I'm thinking of movies like Interstellar. Oh, yeah. So that that was a pretty big film, came Mm -hmm. out a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. In that movie, uh, an astronaut, Cooper, he ends up going into a black hole and finds himself in this kind of fascinating five-dimensional universe, able to see his daughter's room at all times at once. He can kind of move through space, but then he sees a different time. Yes. Or maybe a movie like uh, the Matrix,
0: uh-huh.
3: uh, which I'm sure a lot of us have seen, yes. you know, where Neo he quote unquote awakes to find out that his whole life has been an electronic simulation, mm-hmm. uh, and that the entire human race is actually enslaved by robots, right? Or um, if if you're a bit of a Trekkie, a Star Trek yeah. fan, I have to admit I have seen Are my you? fair share of have Star you? Trek. Good. Yeah, there's there's a very reoccurring re- re- story of meeting of energy or finding a way for physical beings to turn themselves into beings of energy right and these these kind of themes kind of come up many times over even Mm -hmm. films like 2001 or solaris yeah um and even in 2001 you know he again goes into some kind of a weird space work um and you kind of see his whole life at once but there's this sense that they're needing a greater being of some sort and and even in you know, Star Trek, again, these beings of energy are higher
7: beings
0: of some sort. Yeah, yeah.
7: So you're probably going, well, Mark, what does this have to do with
0: East? Exactly. That's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You're just like this guy's wacko.
3: Let me explain. So basically, so we're, we're seeing some very commonly reoccurring themes. So in Interstellar, he could see uh, his daughter's room at all times in the same place. Is essentially omniscient. Okay. That's, that's what God can do in the universe. In The Matrix, Neo learns essentially how to make his thoughts a reality. He can just kind of think something, and he can affect his universe. Um, these beings of energy, they are no longer bound by physical boundaries. You know, They can go through physical objects, no mm-hmm.
5: problems. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: they, they're maybe not even bound by time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, in 2001, they're traveling to meet these higher beings, and it's kind of like, well, that's, you know, for a Christian, this should be obvious. Like, what they're paralleling, what they're really getting at, is the spiritual realm, the metaphysical realm of God.
5: Right. Um,
3: Because God is not bound by time or space. He can make his thoughts a reality. You know, he is... He can. He's essentially all of these things, and he is the highest being. So all these kind of sci-fi stories—they're a fun way to really contemplate this idea of the metaphysical. They fall short, of course, because they're they're finite. You know, right. They're essentially not infinite but they kind of represent some this yearning to be set free from the boundaries of our flesh.
0: Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to say, I mean, sci-fi is a, re- I don't know if it's fair to say that it's a relatively contemporary uh, genre, but I'm sure that a lot of these are based on myths that have existed forever. That's, that's right. And so but it's these ideas. like this century yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
3: that we really kind of see these sort of sci-fi ideas where they're doing it with science. But, it, but it's a really, it's an ancient idea that's been around for a very long time. Like uh-huh. you think of, you know, the mythology of, you know, demigods, you know, there's like...
5: Right, ...Helen yeah. of
3: Sparta, who was born of Zeus and a human Leda, mm-hmm,
5: mm-hmm. you know,
3: or, or Selpius, uh, who was born of Apollo, you know, and a human, and then, you know, he became human, you know, he became divine after he died, and, you know, it, there's there's very much this kind of transition.
0: Uh-huh.
3: Um, and so... You know, when you're watching a film like Interstellar, you're kind of going, oh, wow, wouldn't that be cool if I go into a black hole and Mm. I wasn't bound by time or space? It's like, well, as Christians, we're offered something even better. (laughs) So in, in 1 John 3, 2, he says, Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And it's like, wow, if that's not clearly saying we are going to be in God's metaphysical realm, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: you know, very similar to him, you know, I'm like, you know, that's as clear as it gets. Right. Now, now don't quote me, you know, that we're not going to become all omniscient or omnipotent. You know, theologians have kind of fought fought over this for years, for what exactly the afterlife is going to look like.
5: Mm -hmm.
3: And it's kind of like, for us trying to think of this, it's kind of like mice trying to contemplate calculus. (laughs) But the one thing I can say is that if this has been foreshadowed in all of the literature for all this time, in real life, it's only going to be better. So Mm. I'm looking forward to something that's better than Star Trek or Interstellar or anything like that in the afterlife.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and then, yeah, I mean, as soon as you, it it sounds like, you know, Jesus after the resurrection, that's what our promise is, right? Exactly.
3: Yeah, yeah, and we we see aspects of that. Yeah, when Christ is resurrected, you know, he kind of has the power to you know appear and disappear, and disappear you know, and, and go through
0: walls. Yeah, so he's physical, yeah. but he but he's not bound by physical boundaries. He's yeah, interesting exactly. divinity. And and yeah. what I would say is that maybe all this, these things that are reflected in science fiction, and that have been reflected in in myths of you know ancient myths, is because that's what's written in our heart that we are created to go there. And so that's exactly. what we long for. So of course and, it's going to come out in our, in our storytelling.
3: And and, and I love how C.S. Lewis said this. He uh-huh. said that if I find in myself desires, which nothing in this world can satisfy, yes. the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Beautiful. And it's like, Ooh, Oh yeah. That makes me, gives me, gives me shivers.
0: It does too. And if that's not a proof, that there's a God. I don't know what it what, what it yeah. is. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's written into our hearts. Absolutely. We desire this. Okay, that's a good, good uh, Easter message for us today that you've learned, my friend, from Hollywood.
3: Yes, and science fiction.
0: Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, happy Easter. Thank you. You too. There you go. What's good in Hollywood and science fiction with our Hollywood uh, sci-fi undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Um, Mark Matthews is a professional working in Hollywood. You can follow him at hu missionary.
2: Hi, I'm Adam. Hi, I'm Lori.
8: And
1: we're
3: out of
0: darkness,
4: Dark.
8: and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour
4: with
1: Deacon
8: Pedro.
0: This is our 2018 Easter special. Learn all about the Salt and Light Hour and listen to all these segments again at our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up in about 10 minutes is Eric Groth, producer of the new film, Paul, Apostle of Christ. So stay tuned. Now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome back to the program.
8: Oh, thank you, Deacon Pedro. And uh, a blessed triduum. Yes. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Uh, to you and everybody listening. This
0: Absolutely. So you have time. you have one film, the one film. I'm not sure if you're going to say it's a good Easter film, but you're going to tell us all about it. What's, what's the same you want to I talk about? I
8: think it is. I think it actually is a good Easter okay, film. Okay, good. There's a number of good films in the theater right now. Yeah. And I chose a film in the theater because I really loved this book as a kid. Uh, so I've already given everybody a clue. I I went yes. w- went to see A Wrinkle in Time, uh-huh. and because of the, how much this book influenced me as a, as a kid, for for those of you, I, Deacon Pedro, you've seen the you've seen the you've read the book, right? I've
0: read the book and I loved the book. In fact, I love I love Madeleine Lengel, the author.
8: Yeah, she is, she is wonderful. I love
0: all her stuff. I
8: just, you know what, I'm just going to start off by sharing a quote by her from one of my favorite books in the whole world, uh, Walking on Water, which Uh is her book on the faith and art, and she says, we do not draw people to Christ by loudly discrediting what they believe or by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. Hmm. Uh, she actually called this book her great hymn of praise to God, not the book on the nonfiction, but A Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. She considered it a hymn of praise, and I I, I found that out by accident, and I was like, that is so true. So for those of you who haven't read the book, A Wrinkle in Time is a young adult fantasy before young adult fantasy was a <laughs> genre. Before young yeah. adult was really a genre. I mean, yeah. I, um, you know, and um, it's a story of a young teenage girl, Meg Murray, whose parents are brilliant scientists who research the universe on a microcosmic and macrocosmic way. Yeah. Um, Meg's father disappeared without a trace four years ago, and Meg and her family are desperately miss him. You know, they're devastated by his loss, but they believe his disappearance has to do with his research. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, they have to put up with their neighbors' um, snide remarks about their father purposely abandoning them Yeah. in this film. Meg has a loving mother and an exceptionally brilliant, a prodigy, really, younger brother, five years old, named Charles Wallace, who is very gifted in how he knows things. As a matter of fact, he's never really explained in the entire series, he's never really explained how special he is. But he often can almost read Meg's mind or know what she's feeling, especially Mm -hmm. her struggle to fit in. Mm -hmm. And one rainy night, a strange lady, who actually is an angel-like figure um, throughout the book, it befriends Charles Wallace and appears um, at the house, and she and two other strange ladies, um, they're really fallen stars, is really what um, mm-hmm. the book describes them as. She, they, These three ladies, they're called the Mrs. W's, they take Charles Wallace, Meg, and uh, one of Meg's friends from school, Calvin, on an interdimensional journey to other planets in the galaxy to find Meg's father and rescue him. Hmm. So that's kind of the broad. So it it kind of combines realistic fiction uh, or realistic, like a real-life story with fantasy with a little bit of this um, angelic kind Mm -hmm. of thing going on as well. Um, It was very groundbreaking when it came out. It has been banned um, before. And uh, one of the reasons that it really defines, I think, the, the YA genre, maybe helped get it started, was because it gave us the first female nerd, heroine
5: right, <laughs> of Meg the fantasy Murray. genre.
8: Yeah. So, but it's very, um, you mm-hmm. know, and so since then, a lot of stories kind of go this way. They imitate a wrinkle in time in plot or character. Mm-hmm. But I still feel, re- rereading the book today, that it's still unique because of its sense of wonder at the universe, mm-hmm. uh, its integrated way of looking at reality, you know, a fully human reality, very grounded, but also with a profound spiritual dimension that's just part of the human person. And of course, the the approach to good and evil. So that description somewhat, I think, fits both the book and movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But should you go see it if you love the book? That's, I guess, the big question.
0: That's always the question.
8: So I'm not going to touch the book. The book, to me, is practically perfect. It's a Mary Poppins-like novel, okay? Um, And the film has a lot going for it. It's got some very strong acting. It's it's got great lines from uh, from the book, you know, dialogue included in the film. It's Mm family-friendly, and it has profound themes, some of which are addressed very well, especially that whole idea of conformity versus individuality. The whole idea of love being the greatest power, that that's how you combat evil oppression, not with right. violence, but with love. Mm-hmm. Also, the idea of being true to oneself, growing in self-confidence, uh, you know, the awkwardness of not fitting in when you're a teenager, etc. It's it, the inclusive cast. Uh, really, uh, it, there's a lot going for this film. The challenge is, is that it doesn't get everything right? Um, first of all, artistry-wise, the plot is problematic. There's too much time spent on special effects, not enough on character. Right. Um, So it feels a little inaccessible, and and you feel a little distant, I think, from some of the characters, because you don't spend enough time. Like, I felt like the film was working to make the characters likable, but not really going into their journey interiorly, which is the heart of the novel, of course. Um, So, They also, and this is is probably something I would really pick on as a sister, but they leave out uh, most of the biblical references,
5: which Hmm. is too bad,
8: because she quotes the Bible at least four or five times, like, directly. Mm -hmm. She quotes from Isaiah, the Gospel of John, you know, and, you know, the movie's biggest theme is about Meg learning to trust herself, you know, to gain self-esteem, and that's a worthy theme, you know, it's very important, and I resonated with it as a kid, but the the book's themes are so much bigger. They're about the light overcoming the darkness. Mm-hmm. They're about the foolish foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, the last chapter is entitled "The Foolish and the Weak,"
5: mm-hmm. and it's about
8: Meg learning not so much to trust in herself, but to learn that uh, what is the power of love, and that as human beings, we have that gift of loving, and that's what that's how we change the world. That's how we. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, are able to help bring that light back into a world that's overshadowed by evil. Right. So uh, my recommendation would be, if you like fantasy, go uh-huh. to see it. Yeah. If you like the book, it's well worth seeing because it makes you think of the themes in a different way. Yeah. Um, I think if you haven't read the book, you should read the book first. Oh, really? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do, because I think you'll get a lot more out of it. Um, I'm hoping to write a guide both for the novel and for the film and to have that up in a couple of oh, days. Oh, good.
0: Yeah, that would be so great.
8: For, for your family, for discussion, yeah. um, and also just to deepen the themes ourselves.
0: Okay, good, because it is a good film for the whole family. Um, yes. You've made me want to read the book again. I've read it twice, and I'm going to read it a third time, and I will definitely go see it. Um, I do love Madeleine L'Engle, the author of the book A Wrinkle in Time and I never thought of it as a hymn of praise, but now that I read it again, and when I watch the movie, I'll look for that. Yes. Um, Sister, thank you very much, um, and happy Easter.
8: Thank you, and uh, you'll be in my prayers as always.
0: Thank you. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com, and also follow her on Twitter at Sister M Paul.
3: Hey, everybody, this is Cooper Ray, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour
0: with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro, and you're listening to our 2018 Salt and Light Hour Easter special. Now, if you're a Christian, you've probably heard of St. Paul. Actually, even if you're not a Christian, you've probably heard of St. Paul. But even if you are a Bible wizard, you may not know the full story. In a sense, the story of St. Paul is the story of the beginning of the church, the beginning of Christianity, and that is the theme of the new film that opened uh, last week in theaters everywhere titled Paul, Apostle of Christ. What you may not know is that in some sense, the story is also the story of Luke, the evangelist, who is also the author of the book of Acts. And I've personally been fascinated by this uh, period in the history of our church. And the book of Acts is by far my favorite book in the Bible. And so I'm very excited about this new film and about welcoming executive producer Eric Groth to our program to tell us all about it. Eric, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour.
7: Oh, thank you very much, Deacon Pedro.
0: Yeah, no, I'm so excited about watching this film. Um, for people who maybe are not sure what the story is, can you tell us in a nutshell, what is the story of the film, Paul, Apostle of Christ?
7: Yes. So, you know, how do you tell Paul's story? That was a challenge from the beginning, but we ended up we, we ended up starting from uh, deciding to tell the story from the end of his life. So Paul is uh-huh. in prison, in the Mamertine prison, waiting to be beheaded by Nero. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, the story is is takes place in the prison, um, but also outside of the prison. Uh, and it's it's a story of Luke coming to be with Paul, okay? And we know um in Second Timothy, there's a place where when Paul is describing his time in prison, he says that only Luke is with him. right? And so we know that Luke traveled with Paul, and many of his evangelization ministry mission travels. and and that Luke obviously is responsible for the writing of, of the Acts of the Apostles, and so much of that writing comes from Paul's journey. So, right. so we wanted to explore a little bit about um, what you know, how maybe some of the Acts of the Apostles, and and what was going on in the church during the time of Nero yeah. uh, in the Christian community, uh, and so the film is really kind of a reflection on the man Paul in his life, looking back on his life and where he is at this final moment in his life, and. And the connection with Luke and the Christian community and what's going on in Rome. Yeah,
0: um, I I I love this kind of stuff because I love how, and I think we're all called to do this. You know, I might read scripture, but I want to bring it to life. I want to imagine what it could have been like. So, how do you go about writing this story? Because I mean, obviously, some of it is based on scripture, but most of it is not. You've you've done your historical right. research, but how much of it is fiction? How much of it? How do you go about putting this story together?
7: That's a great question. So our writer-director, Andrew Hyatt, and then our producer, T.J. Burden, who Uh also was very much involved in developing the story. Um, But Andrew taking the lead, uh, certainly Scripture is the primary source of reading all of Paul's writings. But Andrew also read another 50 books that were written by authors and scholars uh, about Paul, Yeah, um, just to really understand the world. He read books about Nero and books about Roman culture, mm-hmm. just to kind of understand, um, you know, what was going on, um, so that we could tell um, the most uh, scripturally accurate, truthful, historical telling mm-hmm. um, that we possibly possibly can. Um, but we also, you know, like want to put it in the human experience. So we kind of imagine their interactions, you know, and you'll notice as you see the film, it's like it's infused with the with scripture, um, but you're not feeling like the scripture is being right. being read to you.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know,
7: Paul I mean, Paul didn't just kinda of sit down one day and go, Let's write about love. Right. Love is patient, love is kind. Yeah. But that stuff was coming out of his lived experience and what he was seeing, what he was experiencing in interaction with others.
5: Mm -hmm. And so
7: we kind of just, we we put some, you know, some in-between-the-lines kind of skin on that, Mm -hmm. Um, but certainly bouncing it off of of scriptural truth and historical accuracy, so that we make sure that we're keeping the integrity of what happened, even though we we use imagination when we create movies.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. To bring it to yeah. life. Um, how uh, You're the executive producer, so how did it the how did it all come about? Why did you want to make this film? Whose idea was it? How did the process start?
7: Yeah, so our, our company is called ODB Films, and uh-huh. it's been around for 12 years. And the bulk of our work in the first 10 years was we produced 200 short films for Catholic teens,
5: uh-huh. And they're
7: used in the ed programs and youth ministry programs. And the, um, we had a number of people ask us over the years, you know, do you have films on lives of the saints? And we really didn't. So we started to explore that. And we created a film a few years ago called Full of Grace. And it uh-huh. was really kind of a narrative exploration on the last few days of Mary's life on earth. And that led us into a relationship with Sony, who was looking to do a film on Paul. We found out, okay. And our writer director Andrew really had a desire to do a film on Paul. Yeah, kind of a passion project for him. For him, it really connected a lot in his own spiritual journey. And so we just kind of ref- reflected more on that, and and realized when you look at Paul's life and Paul's story, that it's such a contemporary story, and it's such a, yeah. I mean, it's timeless. Uh, you've got a person who was the most radical, you know, uh, just wanted to destroy Christianity because it was so, you know, uh, against what he saw on his Jewish faith. And yet he he has this amazing conversion and goes on to become the greatest promulgator of the faith and and credits God's incredible grace and mercy. And -hmm. I think that's an important message for today, that, that no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, no matter who we are, um, God is always reaching out to us, uh, inviting us to become more like Him to change to to embrace His grace, to embrace His mercy and and I think we need to we need to keep that at the forefront when we look at people and we see how they're living and we right. think you know wow that person's not living right or they can't change because God can change anybody
0: he can yeah change
7: all he can change all of us.
0: Um, you kind of answered the question the next question I was going to ask you about why is a is it a story worth telling it's it's a universal story yeah. would you say that it's a i mean obviously historically it's a Christian story but would you say it's a christian story is this a, this is a movie that is for anyone who wants to go watch a good movie
7: absolutely I, you know one of the first things I mean it's a Christian story and it certainly attracts um, people who uh, are of the Christian faith, Catholic, Evangelical, wherever you land in that.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: But, um, but it's important for us as filmmakers to make a good film, yeah. you know? And so it's, you know, that we film it right, that we, we use good shots, that we have good acting, and the acting it is just tremendous. Mm-hmm. With Faulkner as yes. Paul, with Jim Caviezel who played Jesus in The Passion as as Saint Luke and yes. John Lynch plays Aquila and Joanne Whaley plays Priscilla yes. and Olivier Martinez plays Mauritius, they're really good actors. So it's really well acted. We filmed in Malta. The, the The scenery is beautiful, and it's a good film. And it really is. I mean, as much as the the Christian message is very clear in it, um, it's very human. You know, you see the interactions of the people, and they're 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 not these kind of saints that we often you know as we grow up and we see the stained right. windows and you see the halos around their heads and but these are people just like us
5: mm-hmm. who who
7: journeyed and had struggles and difficulties and tried to live God's calling in their life as best they
0: can. Yeah. It. Yeah. No, that's great, and that's that's one of the reasons why I love Saint Paul because I feel like I that could be me. And if that guy who struggled and who did horrible things and and struggled and talks about having a you know a thorn in his flesh and 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 can still be a saint, then. Right. So can I. And maybe I can too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. So the film opened, it's probably in theaters near everyone who's listening, but on the website, paulmovie.com, there's a little feature that people can find a theater near you and you can type in your zip code. I presume your postal code as well if you're in Canada. And yep. it'll tell you where the nearest theater is to you. Is it important? I know that sometimes with these sort of releases that it's important that we get people to watch the film the first week um uh, so right. I'd like to, I mean, I'd like to encourage everyone to watch it It's a great Easter weekend movie to go watch, yeah. um, or, or during the Easter season. Uh, but don't go watch it because we're Christian and we want to make sure that that Christian films get made, although we do want that, but go watch it because it's a great film and it's a great story that needs to be told. Um, Eric, thank you so much for, for doing it. Um, I, I'm looking forward to more films from you guys. Um, and, uh, it's a great story. And, uh, And thank you for sharing a little bit about what you do with us today.
7: Thank you, Deacon. Thank you very much.
0: Eric Groth is the executive producer of Paul, Apostle of Christ, a new film starring James Faulkner as St. Paul and Jim Caviezel as St. Luke. Um, It is probably in a theater near you. Here now uh, is Cooper Ray with Sing Alleluia from his latest album, Wake the Dawn.
6: We bless your name for your faithfulness, your love, your mercy, your
1: righteousness. You are welcome in this place. We honor you, we give you praise.
0: listening to Cooper Ray with Sing Hallelujah from his latest album Wake the Dawn. You can learn more about Cooper Ray at his website cooperray.com and that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio on that same page. You can find links to all the artists whom we've featured on this program. Send us your comments to radio at TV.org and follow me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook and on Twitter. The Salt and Light Hour is a ministry of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all we do at saltandlighttv.org. Today we heard from Out of Darkness, Matt Marr, and Cooper Ray. This show would not be possible without the support of our generous Catholic artists. So please go to our website and find out how you can find them and support their ministries. Thank you for being with us. Have a holy and blessed Easter season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been our special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Owl. You Lord are
6: just in all your ways. For all your words, we give you thanks. Our hearts, our souls, we give to you. Make us whole, Lord, make us new.